Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. I'm thankful to be able to share again this morning. I hope that as we have been working through these last uh, few weeks, looking at some of the characteristics of Jesus and asking ourselves how our life is shaped like the life of Jesus, I hope that's been good for you. I hope uh, we've set aside this time of Lent to kind of ask ourselves some, some difficult questions to look at our spiritual practices. And uh, I hope that's gone well for you and that Jesus has been speaking to you, not only as we gather, but every day throughout the week. And I'm just looking forward and, and grateful to have this time today. This time, I think, like last week, last week we said that it would maybe push us a little bit. I think this week will as well. If you remember, one of the things that we are wanting to do is uh, three things. We want to participate in spiritual practices that will help shape the way that we think and act. That's kind of some of these overarching things that we're doing this for this series. We want to do our best to become more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. That is certainly as we gather and sing and pray and worship, but all throughout our week as well. How are we becoming more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life? And the third thing is that we want to become more familiar with the character of Jesus. So as a way to begin our thinking on our focus this week, let me ask you this question. Do you have anything at home that you set aside for a specific purpose or a particular use? Uh, I'll give you an example. One day, I needed to cut the tag off of something, I think something that we got f- for our kids, and I couldn't find the pair of scissors that were supposed to live in the junk drawer of our kitchen, right? You all have that? And so, in a moment of brilliance, I thought to myself, hey, you know what? I know where there's another pair of scissors, and I walked over to our knife rack, and I grabbed the pair of scissors that live as part of our kitchen knife set. And as soon as I grabbed those kitchen scissors and I started cutting the tag off, Christina walked in and said, hey, what are you doing? (laughs) My brilliance was short-lived when I learned that those scissors that are part of our kitchen knife set are intended to be only used for food. (laughs) Even though they're just sitting there, not being used very often, and they cut just as well. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) All of us routinely uh, set apart certain things in our house for specific use. I'm sure you have some of these things. I, I also have a pair of dress shoes that live under my desk in my office, and I usually only wear them when I'm wearing a suit or for fancier services. I wouldn't use those to cut the grass or to work out. Some people have good dishes that they only use for special occasions or decorative towels that you wouldn't necessarily use to wash the windows. One thing that we've been talking about since the beginning of this series, as we, I'm kind of taking us back to the first week of our series, because I think it's important to think about this, uh, that uh, idea of being set apart as we talk about what we're looking at today. The first week of our series, we talked about being holy, that we can be holy, that we can pursue that, that that is actually a life-giving thing. We talked about the fact that sin doesn't have Uh, a hold on us any longer through our faith in Jesus, that we need to be set apart. That's part of a Jesus-shaped life. So being set apart is kind of that classic definition of what it means to be holy. 
And like I said, it's important for us to take a moment and remember where we started in this series because the idea of our pursuit of God, His holiness, following His way, is necessary for today even when it's difficult to do so. So just to kind of push on this a little bit, when God brought the, Jew, the, Jews, uh, the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt, he gave them laws to, that set them apart as his special people. We know this. Obeying these civil, ceremonial, and moral laws made them different than the culture and the peoples around them. We can read about it in places like Leviticus. In Leviticus 11, 44 through 45, after a few chapters of pretty significant instruction on what's expected for God's people, we read this. For I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not defile yourselves with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground. For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be my holy, or you must be holy because I am holy. In places like the New Testament, we find in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Uh, Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Just a few verses later in 1 Peter 2, 8 and 9, we read, He is the stone that makes the people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, this is, these are helpful in just kind of continuing to remind us the kind of people that we're supposed to be, the kind of life that we're supposed to have, the way that we're supposed to be shaped like Jesus, following his will, following his way. Through faith in Jesus, we become God's chosen people, holy and set apart. And we have to figure out what that looks like in the world today, right? <laughs> Living that out in our own lives. But now, our uniqueness does not stem from a particular diet or a strict behavioral code as it did for God's people in the Old Testament. Because after the resurrection of Jesus, the apostles recognized that the Old Testament laws had been fulfilled in Jesus. We talked about this a little bit when we talked about the idea of obedience. Instead, we're to stand out as different because of our Christ-like character, because our lives are shaped like Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, it tells us this. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. There's so many passages like this That when we live Jesus-shaped lives, there will be times when we act differently than most people. We might even feel like we're from another place. The scripture here uses the words or the ideas of exiles or, or foreigners. For example, God calls us to live with different behavioral ethics than the rest of society. We are to handle power differently if we follow Jesus. 
we are, uh, we're supposed to handle power that, in a way that's not the norm from those around us, right? We're to use our time and our money differently. We are to treat people, immigrants, orphans, widows, the marginalized, the abused, with more concern and compassion than others might around us. We are to love more freely and forgive more quickly. These are some of the characteristics of what it means to follow Jesus. And they're hard to live out sometimes, right? (laughs) Jesus' followers have always stood out as different from the cultures in which they live. And that is not easy to do. That's the point of this morning. After reminding us how we're supposed to be holy, set-apart people with living with a different character— We have to recognize that it takes courage to live differently than everyone else. And I'm hoping today will help us to live courageous faith in the world around us. Following the courageous character of Jesus. And that's our focus today. That following the way of Jesus, uh, the, the the kind of life that he calls us to, takes courage. It can be difficult, but we can do it. We can do it with the Lord's help and with each other. But we cannot unthinkingly go with the flow of the culture and still live a Jesus-shaped life. Living for Christ requires intentional navigating of the world around us. So as God's people, we will at times stand out. uh, 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 We will stand out because of our attempt at following Jesus. And that's difficult, and it takes courage. So what does Jesus ask us to do? Because Jesus doesn't always ask us. The way that Jesus has called us to live isn't always easy. And he has one particular command that is uh, or requirement of those of us who are his followers that really kind of strikes at the heart of this. It takes courageous faith. So what does Jesus say is one thing that every believer must do every day in order to be a disciple? Well, some might say pray, and that's good. It's not, a ba- it's not a bad answer. That's a good answer. We need to be in regular communication and relationship, a growing dynamic relationship with God. We've talked about that before. Maybe uh, you might say, well, we need to be in the word. We do need to be in the word. So another primary way of how God shapes and transforms our heart and our mind. Uh, we need to live active love. We've talked about this for multiple weeks. We need to help the poor. We need to show our love to people. We need to prioritize worship in our lives, personally and corporately. All of those responses are good and right and help us grow in the Lord. But according to Jesus, one key difference of his disciples, one thing that we must do every day, we find in Luke 9, verse 23. And it says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This is hard. (laughs) This is a tough teaching. This is a powerful passage. And this is a powerful statement from Jesus. There's a lot that we could say about this statement. We won't say everything about it, but I want to start by looking at where it says, if, you don't, um, if, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. In other translations, uh, this has, is often translated as you must deny yourself. Maybe that's how you know it, that you must deny yourself and pick up your cross. So the word that's used here for give up your own way or deny is almost always has this overtones of connection to a person. So in this case, 
Denial is the intentional disassociation from a relationship with a particular someone. It's a kind of a weird way to say that. I mean, it's kind of follow along here. It's very important. So another translation might be then to disown someone or to renounce someone. For example, this is the verb that was used when Peter denied Jesus uh, in the courtyard. He denies that he ever knew Jesus or had any association with him. One commentator I read this week wrote this. So self-denial then, denying ourself in this, being willing to give up our, our way, self-denial then is the intentional disowning of the self or stepping away from the self as primary in your life. Making this connection this is powerful when you think about it. Jesus is not making the statement about whether the self is bad or not. He's saying who is on the throne of your heart? Who is on the throne of your life? Who is your primary allegiance to? Is it Jesus or is it ourself? That's the first thing that he's saying in this is if any of you wants to be my follower, you must disassociate from yourself as the king of your life, right? Powerful, powerful stuff. What a great question to ask. And I love that he puts it, he qualifies this by saying, this is not something you just do once and you're done. This is a daily thing. So for those of you who follow Jesus, one of the primary things that we have to do on a daily basis is you wake up and you say to yourself, who today is the king of my heart? Jesus says here that this is one of the characteristics of his followers, that they choose daily to take themselves off the throne of their own lives and instead enthrone Jesus, the king of all kings, the author, creator, sustainer of all things, that he is enthroned as the king of all we think and do. Yes, Lord. But isn't that difficult to do? Is Jesus the daily king of your life? That's the question here that we're kind of, we're going to hold open to the Lord on a regular basis through Lent. Are you choosing to set aside your own wants, your own desires, your own way to follow the way of Jesus? And we know that the way of Jesus is not easy. So this is not an easy question to answer. This is hard. And when we say yes, it takes courage. But when we say yes to the way of Jesus, he helps us along the way and we get to the full life that we were always intended to have. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't stop there. That's the first step of enthronement, right? The first step is enthronement to Jesus, which can be hard in and of itself. But then he says there's another thing that we must be willing to do also in the context of this daily thing. We must be willing to deny ourselves, to set aside our own way, and we must be willing to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. That is, we must be able to pick up the way of Jesus, even if the way of Jesus is really, really difficult. Jesus uses the image of a cross. This is a hard metaphor because in Jesus' day, the cross was not a piece of jewelry uh, that they wore. It was an instrument of death, of torture. So to take up one's cross referred to the practice of forcing this condemned person to carry their crossbeam uh, to the execution site. We know this. Jesus did this. It was a show of complete surrender to what was ahead. 
A call to bear one's cross as part of following Jesus then is a call to be completely surrendered and submitted to Jesus Christ in all areas of your life to the very end. Do you see how this teaching is pretty heavy? It's intense. You must first be willing to enthrone Jesus and not yourself. And when you enthrone Jesus, you must be willing to commit, surrender every aspect of your life to him, to his way, no matter where it takes you. (laughs) Jesus, this uh, this is rubber meets the road. He's not making it easy for us. Following Jesus Christ means giving Jesus our full and complete allegiance to him alone. And it means uh, giving him full and complete allegiance down to the very depths of our being and our life. If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus just doesn't let us off the hook because he says this is something that we have to do every day. In other words, the cross is not optional. Uh, To stay in step with Jesus, we must deny ourselves, uh, our desires, our own want of wit, our own, the way that we desire to do our own thing and enthrone Jesus on our lives. And this is, like I said, not just a periodic choice or something that we just do every once in a while. We're We're called to an entirely different way of life daily. So I think the question is, am I willing to do this? That's what you've got to ask. That's what you have to work out in your time of prayer and and in your time with scripture to ask Jesus, come and show me how this is working out in my life. Choosing this way of life requires courage uh, because it is rarely comfortable. And we like to be comfortable, right? (laughs) We like to be in control and we like to be comfortable. Uh, Pastor, I read this last week, said this, I like comfort. But comfort never made me more like Jesus. God's abundant life uh, often lies outside our comfort zone. So much of what he wants to do in us requires that we stretch. I can't say, Jesus, will you make me more generous person while I keep all my money for myself? It doesn't work like that. I can't say, Jesus, I don't want to risk saying anything about you to my friends Because they might make fun of me. So will you just go ahead and make them Christians while I act just like them? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Jesus challenges us to die to the things like our comfort and follow his way. So how are you at doing that? This was incredibly challenging to me this week. uh, As I tried to wrestle with, God, show me the ways in which I am either not or unwilling to enthrone you in my life, and then show me the ways where I'm not fully committed to you. I really want to know. (laughs) I really need this. And so uh, I just, I had this kind of really open heart and open spirit to God each day this week, and I'm thankful. It was not an easy week, but I'm thankful because I feel his presence on me, and I feel a little bit more encouraged that I'm following him better today than I was yesterday. (laughs) You know, uh, shortly after John Wesley came to faith, John Wesley is one of the, you know, the uh, theological father for our movement. Uh, He started to preach about faith in Jesus. He had this significant uh, conversion. uh, And he wanted to see reform in, in his church, in the Anglican church. But the leaders of his day rejected him and his message and they banned him from speaking in in the Anglican church. And so 
he could have in that day uh, chosen to blend in and be accepted and not work for the reformation of his beloved church. The way forward was hard. The way, what God was calling him to do was difficult. He could have decided to keep his, his experiences to himself, but he didn't. He decided that if he was not allowed to preach in churches, uh, that he would take the gospel to the people. And so he traveled around t- teaching in s- town squares and coal mines and out in the fields where everyone could hear if he yelled loud enough <laughs> or sat on his horse. As a, rebu- as a result, people threw rocks at him while he preached. They dragged him off of tables as he was speaking. But he wasn't phased by the angry mobs. He simply kept doing what Jesus called him to do and he started a movement. Jesus did the same thing. We've talked about this passage a lot where that the, the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the way forward is the cross, and Jesus starts out by saying, please, can we do it a different way? And throughout that moment in that prayer, what we see is a transformation in Jesus where he's, he's asking, can we do this differently to where God is, he, he's totally enthroned God on, in his heart. And he said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm literally going to pick up my cross and follow you all the way. And what that means is complete and utter restoration and salvation for you and me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus models for us what this looks like and shows us the courage that it takes. What does it mean to lay down your own wants, your desires, enough to follow Jesus more today than you did yesterday? What if you asked yourself that question every day? How are you working out real and total surrender to the way of Jesus and not just giving a mental assent to the idea of surrender? It's a great idea, Jesus. I just don't want to do it, (laughs) right? Taking up our cross is something that we, is, is a way of life for us here and now. So how are you embodying the ways of Jesus in everyday life? Even if it looks different uh, for, uh, than, than those around you. So I want to end our time. We're going we're gonna, to, I want to end our time with just a couple practical steps. I think that'll help us think through how we live this out. And then we're going to have a time of Worship and uh, prayer. We're going gonna to have a special time of prayer here at the end of our service uh, to uh, give our hearts to Jesus in this specific way. So here's a couple of steps that I think are really important. Now, this first one might uh, sound obvious given the conversation that we just had, but sometimes it's just really good to see it. That the first thing we need to do is settle in our hearts who is the Lord of our life. Uh, So we need to come to a place in our life, kind of a draw a line in the sand moment, if you will, about who's going to be on the throne of your life. And this is an activity we need to do daily. So the practical aspect is maybe you get up every morning and you settle in your heart and your mind who is the, the Lord of your life for that day. When you wake up, maybe say it out loud, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you today. No matter what may come, no matter what decision I have to make, It's going to be based on your word and on your way, no matter how much that makes me stand apart from the world around me. We've been talking about all of these different characteristics of Jesus, that we need to be committed to his will, his way, and his heart. So commit. I'm going to be committed to love those around me in the way that you call me to Jesus. I'm going to be committed to loving you today 
with all that I have. So yeah, maybe a practical step says pause each morning when you get up and say out loud, create a routine for yourself. Say out loud, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Maybe follow that up with a regular prayer that anchors you, anchors your heart and mind. A great prayer to do this with is the Lord's Prayer. We can orient our heart and our mind uh, at the beginning of each day. The next, develop spiritual, develop daily spiritual rhythms. Pastor Holly and I were kind of joking about this this last week. We feel like we talk about this all the time. (laughs) But it is so important and so key uh, to our own spiritual growth and development. Prayer, scripture, Sabbath. Uh, Pastor Holly mentioned this. She spoke in in our weekly discussion recording and we talked about it. She just reminded us of the importance of some, a practice like Sabbath. Setting aside some regular time to stop the focus on what we produce. Whether that's through your job or at home, whatever it is. But to rest in and rely on God for what is needed. And to acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of my life and let him define your identity. You are not who you are because of what you do or how much you produce. You are who you are because you are a daughter and a son of the living king. Amen? And so we set aside time so that that uh, message, that identity gets reinforced in our lives. Which makes it easier for us to have the courage to do what might be difficult. The last thing I would say is to get some accountability in this area. Again, this is one thing I think we've talked about a number of times over the past several months, but the daily denying of yourself and the subsequent choice to pick up your cross being fully submitted and surrendered to the way of Jesus, it can be difficult if we attempt to do it on our own. So we need each other. We need at least someone else who can help us along the way. Many authors of Christian history reflect on the idea that it's almost always, uh, our will almost always leads us down the wrong path when we're left on our own. We don't naturally tend toward holiness if we're just kind of trying it on our own, do we? We know from the past weeks that because uh, of Jesus, sin no longer has the power to keep us chained down and enslaved. We know that the Holy Spirit fills us and through faith enables us to pursue his will, his way. The world around us wants to encourage us to indulge in, our, in ourselves and avoid things that are difficult. This, that's the opposite of what Jesus commands us to do here. And it takes courage to follow the way of Jesus. And we are at our best when we are helping each other live into this reality. So who's helping you and who are you helping? These are great questions. We want to, every day, invest in people who are trying to do their best to follow Jesus as well. How can I encourage and inspire someone else to follow Jesus more today than they did yesterday? Together, we can courageously follow the way of Jesus, putting him on the throne of our life, taking up the way of the cross. We can help each other do this together. Worship team, would you come on back up? Just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if we have, if our lives are shaped this way, if God is working on our heart and our mind, we can say yes to the way of Jesus, no matter what lies ahead.